We're talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. We're talking football. We hope this never ends. Jimmy James and Tom are back for more. Like Joey B, we're here for season four with Bengal guests and stories not heard before. There's Tony, Mark, and Jamie, as well as our charity. Hootie Nation, join in from far and wide. Every Tuesday night, the guys are back at it live. By the fans, for the fans from day one, it's time to have some fun. We're talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. We're talking football. We hope this never ends. The Bengal boys stop by to drop the speed. Don't get your popcorn ready and take a seat. Season four will and with the Lombardy. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. Guys, I want to pop this up right now. 92% chance for us to make the playoffs if we get two more dubs here. Got to beat the Chiefs on the road and the Browns here at home. It can happen. There's still – there's a chance. There's a chance for this to happen, guys. So, uh, appreciate you guys being here with us. We've got uh, Yoshi coming on from the Bengals here at 8.05. A lot of stuff. We're missing Tony tonight. Uh, we're missing Jamie and Mark tonight, James. Our favorite Canadian is celebrating Boxing Day. I feel like our these Bengals fans have learned more about Canada through this show than they ever learned in – Grade school, elementary school, high school, or college. So, yes, today is Boxing Day in, in Canada, and our favorite Canadian is either, what, returning presents or still opening on time? Is that what is that what we would say? He's, he's continuing to celebrate the holidays, and, uh, you know, Jamie doesn't need too much of a nudge to celebrate, uh, you know, a holiday. So, uh, you know, the only thing we've got to work on him is to celebrate Thanksgiving on the right day. But, uh no, he's he's just celebrating another Canadian holiday, and and God bless him. We'll see him next week. Uh, Mark is arranging his new array of cigars that Santa brought him, and uh, the same with Tony. Tony is arranging, you know, by date of expiration, all the face paint Santa got him. So big day, uh, big week for all of us. Big Christmas, and uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in on this holiday week. Yeah, we got a yeah, I certainly hope everybody had a great uh, Christmas. Exciting guest here, um, current Bengal wide receiver and draft pick from this past season out of Princeton. Going to join us here shortly. Jimmy, go ahead with uh, what you were going to say, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So, um, guys, we on, on YouTube, we are 16 viewers away from breaking 4,000 viewers. So if you're watching right now on YouTube, uh, you can't interact and type in questions and interact with Yoshi tonight. Until you subscribe. So if you're watching on YouTube, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. Click that button and subscribe. We're trying to get those extra 16 to push over that 4,000 uh, subscriber mark. And Tom, put you on the spot here, man. I know this is an easy one. I know everything's a softball for you. But on this date in Bengals history, a very, very special day in Cincinnati Bengals history, uh, December 26, 1970, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals did what for the first time uh, in their franchise history? Third year in. Play the playoff game. Youngest team at the time to win a division championship uh, in organized sports. Held that – God, I think they, they held that record for like 
26 years or something like that. Really remarkable. But they played uh, the legendary Johnny Unitas in Baltimore. Did not uh, didn't have the outcome that they wanted against a very powerful team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. But but yeah, nope. First playoff game in in franchise history against the Colts in Baltimore, Old Memorial Stadium. That uh, got awful. Stadium. <laughs> I'm going to pop up uh, Lisa's comment here real quick since it is a post Christmas celebration show. Put in the comments your favorite Bengal item that you received from Santa. Lisa apparently got a sweet orange Bengals tracksuit. So whatever you've got, um, go ahead and put those in the comments. And then, as always, we're going to do our listener questions for Yoshi once we uh, bring them on. So put those in the chat as well, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, so we're streaming live, obviously, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube tonight. Uh, we're attempting to stream live to Instagram right now. I'm not sure if it's working or not. Uh, we'll go check on that later, guys. But I didn't even realize this tonight, but uh, I was kind of updating some stuff a few hours before uh, the show started tonight. Uh, tonight's our 169th episode. Man, we're getting close to that 200 mark, man. I can't believe uh, four years in, 169 episodes. So that's not counting the the one-off stuff that we do every now and then, but these are the, the weekly shows that we do, so good stuff. So. Man, a lot of people got a lot of jerseys and signed Jamar Chase stuff for Christmas, as you can see, uh, as everybody's popping up their – James is popping up their Christmas presents. So, uh, Tom, I want to have you introduce our, our guest this evening. We got him for about 15, 20 minutes. I'll let you do the introduction. I, I We tried really hard to start trying to find some videos and pictures of Yoshi that um, will put him on a spot here. I found one that might, but uh, nothing over the top for him that we usually get from folks, but – Tom, I'll let you do the introduction, buddy. Actually, Jimmy, we got him uh, an incredibly great deal yeah, in the fifth round. He never sixth round. He never should have been there, but uh, it was the Bengals' great fortune to snag out of Princeton, Andre Yoshivas, and what a season he is having as a rookie and showing us what he can do in the future. So, without further ado, here is Bengals' wide receiver number eighty, Andre Yoshivas. Yoshi, what's up, big dog? What's up, guys? How's it going? Good, man. Good. good day. Right, so let's let's hit it right now, Yoshi. So Tom talked about number eighty. I think you were telling me a story last week. You had the Bengals gave you the options of what numbers uh, when you came into the team. Uh, yeah, they gave me eighty and eighty-eight. And you know what? You know, I think everyone knows which ones I had to choose between those two. Uh, you know, Chris Collinsworth, one of the one of the greatest. And I was like, you know what? Let me just take let me just take eighty. And it looks cooler too. It looks cooler too. Don't get me wrong. It looks cooler than eighty-eight in my opinion. So I had to take it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, man, let's, we got a lot of stuff to get into, man. We don't want to keep you too long, but uh, I, I'm going to start off talking some high school with you here, man. Um, I'm going to play a, a video here, and we're just going to talk through the video. There should be no sound. I think I set it up with no sound. Uh, so I'm going to put this up here real quick. So talk about, I mean, I think you had said, uh, Yoshi, that uh, when did you start playing high school football? You didn't really start as a freshman, right? No, I didn't start. I mean, I I was on varsity as a sophomore, but I'd never started until my senior year. Um, and then our senior year, we sucked. So it was it was a tough, tough high school career for me. It was kind of like a weird one because I always thought I was, like, really athletic and good at football. But, I don't know, it just didn't pan out. Well, I still made the most of my opportunities. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was a zero star coming out of high school, so. Yeah, so talk about uh, your your recruiting process. I think you were were you looking at Stanford or something, and and how do you wind up at Princeton? Just let everybody know. Yeah, well, so my you know academics was always a big thing for me. My dad, you know, that's how he made it out. He was really big into school, so he was always like, yeah, you know, um, I know you have the 
physical capabilities to, you know, go D1. So let's try to go Stanford. Let's try to go to Stanford since you have the, both the smarts and the athletics. But um, I had no film up to my senior year. So I had, you know, I had good grades. I had like a 3.9 GPA or something like that. So I, you know, I had to get, get recruited myself. So I went to a Stanford camp. I didn't get offered there. But a Princeton coach was at that camp. And he had told me, like, Yo, look, if you want to come to our camp, you know, we would we we want to take a look at you. And I was already I already had made a, uh, like a reservation for their camp the week after. So um, they offered me right on the spot, them in Dartmouth, um, when I did my East Coast like tour. So I uh, those are my only two offers out of high school. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, Tom, go ahead, Mike. You know, you, uh, I'm going to mix it up a little bit, the, the way we were going to do it. But you mentioned the number 80. Has anybody mentioned any similarities that you might have to Chris Collinsworth? I mean, you're extremely smart. Chris was yeah. an academic All-American. You can jump up and get the ball. You're a precise route runner. You've got the hands. Has anybody mentioned that uh, you could contribute to the Bengals what he did in the 80s? Well, I, I I hope I can. You know, I mean, the attributes are there, and I just got to, you know, put it on the field. And that would be a great – I mean, that's a great name to be put up with. So I'm just hoping I can keep ascending. So talk about that. I'm going to pop up some pictures here. So t- this is something I don't know a lot of people even knew. That, so you were heptathlete. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, well, I mean, outdoors is, is the decathlon. But um, I, I competed mostly indoors. So, it's, yes, the heptathlon. <laughs> All right, so talk about – is that you right there in the middle? Yeah, that's like my sophomore year. Everyone dyed their hairs. Uh, everyone <laughs> dyed their hair blonde, so I look kind of funny there. But so you did you did shot put. You did you, you did all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was like uh, basically a culmination of like track and field in one event. You know, it's, the indoors is the 60-meter dash, the long jump, the shot put, the high jump, then the second day – 60-meter hurdles, the pole vault, and then the 1,000-meter run, which was my least favorite event by far. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, not a bunch of different pictures on that. But, uh, John, go ahead, buddy. I know you got some more. Coming into the league, uh, well, let's let's jump back, back into the Ivy League. You would only played a couple years of high school. Yeah. You know, how did you – Measure yourself every year. I mean, did you see yourself improving to, to the point that you were a senior, that the NFL was a real possibility? Yeah, that's a good question. So, when you know, when I came into college, I had no expectations for myself, really. I was just there to kind of prove myself, like prove to myself that I could play. Um, and I think that was a good thing for me because just, I just got to keep my head down and keep grinding. I had two NFL receivers in front of me that year, actually. Um, Steve Carlson and Jesper Horstead. They're both tight ends um, now in the NFL. And so I had those people to look up to, which is really cool. Um, but I would say, you know, my freshman year, I didn't play at all. Sophomore year, I was like rotating in. I had the 18 receptions for 200 something yards. Um, and then COVID happened. Um, and so that's when I took that whole year off to just train because the Ivy League didn't have football that year. And so they didn't, yeah, so they were the only D1 conference not to have football, I think. And so I just took the year off academically and, and athletically. I just bench squatted literally every single day um, and caught footballs every single day. And um, that's when I really felt myself get a lot better. I went into summer camp that year. I was destroying, like killing it. And so that's when I kind of felt that I was a little bit different. James? 
Oh, he's muted, I think. Yep, sorry about that. I appreciate you joining us tonight. We can go all the way back. Now, you were born in Japan. Your mom's Filipino. So how did you end up getting to uh, Hawaii? Yeah, well, so my my dad had originally moved from Romania to to Japan for his job. Um, He was a software engineer. Uh, And my mom, you know, the Philippines and Japan are really close. So she had just been living there for a while. You know, there's a lot of job opportunity there. So that's where they met. That's where me and my brother were born. And then, I mean, just another job opportunity from Japan to Hawaii popped up for my dad. You know, a lot of Japanese people live in Hawaii. And so a lot of, you know, Japanese influence things are there. A lot of businesses are there. So it just so happened that, you know, the next venture forward for, um, you know, his company was to go into Hawaii. And he, I don't think he, you can really turn that down. No, great opportunity. Great place to uh, grow up. We've mentioned track and field a bunch tonight. What can you did you learn from the track and field side that helps you most on the football field other than maybe the speed and, and the running is there a certain event or something you did as part of the track and field that translates over to the football side of things well I, you know i think just being an athlete um translates translates over but one thing that mentally helped me a lot was just you know i'm i, I went to indoor nationals my junior year and you know, I was kind of scared a little bit. I was anxious. You know, I'd never been on. That was the biggest athletic stage I've ever been on in my entire life, you know, indoor nationals. And, uh, you know, I see all these guys on Instagram, oh, world-leading guy from Georgia, world-leading guy from Arkansas. And I was right there with them in the thick of things after the first three events. I'm like, you know what? Like, after that, I pretty much stopped doubting myself and my athleticism um, because I was competing with world-class people in, like, something that I didn't even train year-round for. So, you know, if there's that, that just allowed me to put a lot of confidence into myself and my abilities in pretty much every sport that I do. Great answer. We're going to ask the listeners to put some more questions in the chat uh, while we, the listeners do that. Jimmy, go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Make sure you type in your questions, everybody. We'll get to as many of those as we possibly can for Yosh. So, I mean, some of the stuff I, I, I didn't even realize, Yosh, that I mean, you were one of the, I guess there's a, a writer, Bruce Feldman, that comes up with an annual top 15 or 20. Uh, best athletes in college, uh, the freak mm-hmm. list. And you made that list, brother. I mean, yeah. so um, I think we talked about this last week, being kind of a two-sport athlete, you know, a lot of people really specialize in what they do. But being a two-sport athlete helps you in football, correct? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think especially, like, I mean, in in your developmental years, I think definitely. So, you know, you see a lot of kids, like, just doing football, you know, doing football year-round, seven-on-sevens. Like, and that's all they're doing, but you really need to, your body needs to move in different ways and um, it needs to be experienced. Your muscles need to get used to it. I mean, you, you, you pray for dudes not to get injured, but if you're not like varied in your, in your sports as a child, like your, your body's only going to get used to certain types of movements. And that's when I think that's when you get hurt the most. Yeah. Yeah, just coming into the league, what have you noticed being uh, the biggest thing you have had to adjust? Is it separation from a different level of cornerback or D-back, the route running, mm-hmm. the offense? What what has been, you know, your biggest challenge so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, I never faced a lot of man coverage in the Ivy League, so I would say just, you know, coming into camp, it was all man, you know, people want to see – you go uh, go up against the best dudes, and you know I'm ready for that. But it was just something I haven't seen in maybe I don't know three or four years. Um, so the Senior Bowl was actually the first time I did one on ones in like I was like literally four years. 
So, you know, that was somewhat new to me, but, you know, I, I'm always working on cone drills and things like that releases to get better. And um, the offense wasn't that bad. I mean, I mean, it's a lot, but once you get certain patterns down, you kind of understand how things work. And um, I don't know. I think, I don't know, football is football. I mean, I thought I had a decent game um, on for, uh, on Saturday. Um, I had one drop that I wish I could have had back. But, you know, when you're out there, you get anxious a little bit. But, you know, football is football at the end of the day. So, Gotcha. Yosha, we, we got another video here. So we're, this one right here, we'll, we'll play the video. Then after the video is done, we'll come back and talk about it. Okay. So the whole receiver room, that is their, that's their responsibility. Third down and four as Browning waits for the shotgun snap. Browning wants to throw. Quick pass for Yossi Bosch. He makes the catch. And he'll take it down to the 15-yard line where the Bengals will have a first down. Come on. Scanning the field. Throws over the middle. Touchdown! And Andre Yossi Bosch is doing the gritty. Let me get the ball. Hey, 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 let me get the ball. I want the ball. I want the ball. I want the ball. That was nice. He caught the ball, goes airborne to catch it. Spins the ball and gritties away. That's pretty nice effort by the rookie. I, I even said I was going to hit the gritty too. No, uh, over there. I, I hope the mic don't put that in there. The gritty was all right. Yeah. <laughs> Jamar said to hit it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Bro. <laughs> There's two things on that, Yo said that that we got to ask you. One, uh, we were a big chunk of us. We went to Washington for that game. I mean, we got yeah. to see. Like, a lot of times we talk to players that have been in the league for, you know, that retired 20 years ago. They always remember their first touchdown, right? So yours obviously just this year in preseason against the, against the Redskins. So just yeah. talk about your first touchdown in the NFL, brother. Talk about that. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I had I knew that we were, we were putting together a really good drive at that point, actually. Um, but I knew that I had the possibility to get this route if TT didn't get the ball. And um, I don't know. It kind of looked like a broken coverage because I feel like the corner was supposed to get me because the because the um, guy over TT manned up on him um, and they just blew the coverage. And I knew I felt like I was wide open and my eyes. I remember looking at Jake and seeing the ball come for me, and it was like skying like at the at the goalpost. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to go up and grab this thing. And you know, I, I, I was lucky. I was able enough like able to go get it. Um, but that thing felt like it was in the air for like a year because I was all by myself. I had to go jump up and get it, and then, you know, the gritty the gritty was something I was planning for a while. But that was that was sick, and I almost forgot the ball again. So, like, I did it. yeah, yeah, I, I I know your ass was practicing the gritty, man, because you nailed it, man. You did a good job. <laughs> Appreciate that. But the other thing on the mic'd up thing, man, at the beginning of that video, that clip that we just played, you were very specific. Like, hey, you told the receiver room, I'm mic'd up, right? So we yeah. don't want we don't want players saying stupid shit while you're mic'd up, right? Is that the rule? That's that's that, that's the rule. Everyone's like, make sure you let us know when you're mic'd up, and and if a, especially if a vet doesn't let people know, like they're gonna get heat for it because because <laughs> you know you never know what you could possibly be saying. So you don't want to get like even though they probably won't put it in there, like you still don't want to be putting it out into the world. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you never know. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, James, want to go through some. Uh, questions from the viewers and i know we've got some other ones we can hit as well yeah we do this is a uh, perfect timing coming to the end of 2023 looking forward to 2024 yoshi 
Uh, Joseph asked, can you share your personal or maybe professional goals for 2024? Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, personal goals are some of my somewhat professional goals. I mean, it's to become the best, get, be, be on the path to become the best football player that I can possibly become. Um, and I think that, you know, by the end of my career, if I don't feel like I've done that, then I will not be satisfied with my personal life, which is my professional life. And so I'm just trying to make sure that I can do everything I possibly can to become the best player I can be for myself. And then and then hopefully it'll help the team win a bunch of games, too, in the future. All righty. Ekta, who comes to a lot of uh, away tailgates and uh, home tailgates, asks, who is your inspiration on and off the field? That's a great question. Uh, my inspiration on the field? Um, man, I have my – there's this one one coach I have. Uh, his name's Coach Gary Satterwhite. He was my high school track coach. And, um, you know, at, I mean, we've talked about it before. Up to that point, my high school career for, like, football wasn't going as I had imagined. So I was not in a really great place mentally. Um, but he just – always encouraged me to stay confident and he knew he knew what I could do if my mind was in the right place. You know, I shattered a bunch of records my my senior year as a track athlete in Hawaii. And he's really the person that gave instilled a lot of confidence into me. Um, and then off the field, you know, I mean, I've been blessed to have a great father figure. Um, and he just provides me and my family with everything I could ask for and just the path to be great. And and he, you know, sacrificed anything for our family. And so I just hope to be like that for my family one day, too. Two great answers. One more from the listeners, if you don't mind, comes from yep. Augie in New York. And maybe that's the difference between JB9, Joe Burrow, and Jake Browning. But how much of an adjustment is it, I guess, for the wide receiver, knowing Joe Burrow's throwing it to you versus Jake Browning? Is that at a different maybe way you run your routes or anything like that? Um comfort uh i mean jake's jake's pretty good i mean you run the route i mean obviously like we have to run certain things and he he, he gets it on you though at the right time in the right moment um you're never really questioning whether or not he'll have it there at the right time he's i would say he's pretty consistent with the way that he throws the ball um i would say you know they're both good leaders jake you know i mean they're obviously different people um but you know jake leads just as well as joe would um, he gets the offense going just like, you know, I mean, he was a, a all-star quarterback at in high school and in college, so he knows how to do it. And you can really see that with, you know, the games up to this point. So, you know, we've been blessed as a team to have, you know, Jake as our backup as well. Let me, uh, let me, you got a few more minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, so Joe Goodberry, a good buddy of ours on social media, uh, breaks down a lot of game, game film and stuff. Um, and he's been, keeping an eye on you and a lot of these breakdowns. So his question really, he wanted me to ask you. So we've seen that you've been open deep quite a bit, but the ball mm-hmm. didn't go in your direction. What are the things you can, what are the things you control uh, that to lead, that can lead to more opportunities? Um, You know, I just have to always play my hardest, you know, try to just get open whenever I can. I may not be the first reads on some of those, you know, deep shots, you know, maybe an underneath read is the first read. And so if he has to reset his feet, you know, it probably will be a really far throw. Um, but I think that, you know, the situations that I've been open in the deep threat, I've not necessarily been the first read. Um, so, you know, it's hard if I'm already running full speed down the field and he flips his hips to try to chuck it to me, I'm probably way too far gone at that point. But, um, yeah, I mean, I always, I'm always ready for it. 
Um, I'm not sure what goes on behind the scenes, but, you know, I'm always ready to catch a deep ball whenever I can. And I feel like I have the capabilities to, to you know, high point it, run past a defender, but we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. James, we have a couple more viewer questions. We got a lot of them in there. <laughs> yeah, there is a bunch of them in here. Mon had one uh, favorite experience during your rookie year thus far, Yoshi. Maybe it's a rookie dinner you had to buy, something like that for the, for the uh, veterans, or maybe on the field. Yeah, I mean, we had to pay for rookie dinner, so I'm not sure. It was a good time with the boys, but the experience was, uh, you know, 50-50 with, what, with how I liked it. Uh, my best experience so far? Um, dang, there's uh, – I don't know. I kind of just like eating with the boys. I'm not – like, just eating and talking story with guys in the locker room, um, just, like, building camaraderie. I don't know. That kind of sounds cheesy, I think. But that uh, for me, like, I like just hanging around and just – talk and getting to know people, um, whether it's in the locker room or outside of the locker room, but I just love getting a sense of community, to be honest with you. Talk, talk, right. about, talk about your uh, – go ahead, one more. I got, I got another one too, James. Go ahead. Your favorite wide receiver, Bob Young asked, growing up. Any of them will mimic your game after? Um, well, my two favorite were Julio Jones and Calvin Johnson. Um, I always felt like I wanted to be just like the you know, freaks of nature who could – beat you at all three levels of the defense, you know, short routes, take it long, medium routes, good route running, or just were so fast that they could beat you over the top. And, I'm, you know, I've been trying to make my game like that. Um, and, you know, hopefully I can ascend to a level of that nature. Um, but, yeah, those were definitely my two favorites growing up. I think so we saw a little bit of that Megatron. Was it the Minnesota game where it was in the overtime or towards the end? You caught it. It was like third down, and you just – plowed over a defensive back to, uh, yeah. to get that uh, first down. So I think we see a little Megatron in you. <laughs> well, I had to get that third down. So it was either me or him in that situation. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, Yosha, tell, talk a little about if you're able to. Um, you guys just had a secret Santa uh, yeah. with the receivers room. So talk a little bit about who your secret Santa was um, <laughs> and what they got you. Okay, yeah. So I So T had me. Um, and so we were talking, I don't know, he, he's a pretty thoughtful guy because we were talking about just video games, you know, just regular conversation. Um, and I was, he was like, oh, like, what kind of console do you play on? Blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I have a P, uh, I have a PS5 right now. Um, that's the only thing I've been playing on, but I miss my PC at home. Like, that's where I play all like my, you know, big story mode games, strategy games, whatever. And I guess from that conversation, he had just, you know, went out and got me a, a huge gaming PC, like, um, and it's like a nerd's dream right there, like a gamer's dream. You know, you can play whatever game you want at the highest resolution. You know, it's all great specs in there. So I was really, you know, I was happy when T, when I when I knew T was mine because I knew he he had some money to spend. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I was like, all right, uh, uh, I might get some. Because uh, Tommy, you want to close with the last one, bud? No, just uh, I'm going to steal one. I think Jennifer Schultz had it uh, posted on there, and that is coming in the first part of the season before the injury. Any advice you got from from Joe Burrow? Any anything you learned, picked up from working with him constantly? Yeah. His expectations and what he may have taught you. Well, yeah, I mean, he would always say, you know, the more positions you learn, the higher chance you have of getting on the field. And you know, I already somewhat knew that coming in, but I knew that you know our receiver room is really deep, so. For me to even get a chance to get on the field at first, I needed to know a bunch of positions. So I was, you know, stressing to learn a bunch of stuff. And, you know, he understands, you know, 
you know, he's a human too. So he understands like, you know, getting tired as a rookie, you know, you have the whole year you're training for the combine, you have all this kind of stuff. And so you hit your rookie walls at some point in the season, it might be different for people, but you know, you just got to keep your head down and grinding. Um, and, you know, we're already almost at the, you know, we have two more games in the regular season and, you know, I felt like I just blinked, I blinked and we're here. Um, so he, he was right about that. And, you know, he just gave me little tips here and there for routes. You know, um, I remember one time I took like an inside release on a go route and he said, that's fine as long as you win um, because you need to get back outside and restack over the top. Because if you don't win there, I'm not, I, I can't throw you the ball. Whereas if you're covered, but you take an outside release, I have a lot more places to put the ball. There's like little niche things like that um, that that really stick with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Yosh, man, we appreciate your time, man. We're, we told you we'd keep you on here for uh, a certain period of time. We don't want to keep you any longer, man. But I do want to say thank you uh, for being with us. I know you haven't been out to experience Cincinnati as a whole yet. You've been so damn busy with everything. So at some point, uh, we're going to take you out and do some stuff around a city that you hadn't been able to do before. So uh, we'll make that happen. And, brother, uh, there's a boatload of us uh, heading to Kansas City this weekend. And, uh, guys, we we know if we get these last two dubs, we got a very good chance of getting in the playoffs. Um, big task this weekend going into Kansas City, brother. So stay focused, yep. stay healthy, kick some ass, man. Let's bring a home a dub this weekend, buddy. Yep, yep. Appreciate that, guys. We will. All right, who day, man? Appreciate, yes, appreciate, appreciate it. it. Hey, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep. Thanks, Mike. See you. Pretty you down know, to earth dude, there, man. <laughs> what What stands out, you know, about him is we, we all know what he can do physically. Uh, I think there are big things and big expectations for him that he's going to meet as a Bengal. But this is another example since coach Taylor took over that locker room of quality guys coming in. Great guys that that can't just perform on the field and have the physical gifts, but, you know, want to work, want to be a good teammate, want to help the guys around them. And and, we keep hearing about the great culture in that locker room. We didn't always hear that. Um, in fact, I, th- I think, you know, Jimmy, you can attest to this from the culture in the locker room these last three years might be better than the culture that they had in the late 80s when they were going to the Super Bowl. But, it feels uh, like it. Yeah. you know, that, that, that's just another prime example. So I'm really glad he's a Bengal. Definitely. Uh, he also, I think, broke a couple of hearts on here. Goodness gracious. We had more hearts and heart throbs and. Female, uh, I think our female viewership uh, tripled having him on. So we need to uh, make that uh, happen again. But we appreciate what, what you. Is the, uh, uh, what is the what is the the metrics on that? Uh, did it break the Sam Hubbard record of for female? No, I think it broke uh, sleeveless Jamie's record. Yeah, can can you imagine? Can you imagine having Yoshi Hubbard and Jamie on at the same time? I mean, I don't know. He's uh, envious of his hair. Jimmy's really envious of his hair. But um, <laughs> his hair is fabulous. Yeah, it's really flawless. But uh, no, we appreciate uh, him taking the time. And, and again, just a, a smart kid, as you know. Um, just don't let anybody into uh, to Princeton. And you know, listen to him talk. It was he wasn't a, a five star recruit out of high school. He wasn't. Um, a three-year starter in high school, he, he worked for it. And, you know, he mentioned about being a track and field athlete. And I think that's a big phone of, phone of contention today with these kids that just get locked in, whether they're playing baseball year-round, football year-round. I think if you talk to some of those old-school coaches, 
you know, diversity in sports, you know, play football in the, in the fall, play basketball in the, in the summer and baseball or lacrosse in the, in the spring, and you'll be a better athlete overall in, in those sports. So, um, you know, kudos to him, somebody that worked at it. And, and as many have said in here, he has a bright future. Yeah, man. I, I, I tell you, man, I'm really class dude right there. He worked working his ass off. So let's switch gears a little bit, guys. Let's talk about, we're skipping the Pittsburgh game. Uh, we're going straight to the Kansas city game. We're looking forward, right? The Bengals are 0-5 in the AFC North and 8-2 and against the rest of the NFL. Um, little if we get these last two wins, but what do we got to do this week, Tom? Get us started off in this conversation. Kansas City has not looked like Kansas City the past two or three games here. They looked they looked awful against the Raiders, uh, but uh, that, I don't know if that's, that makes me excited or scared to play these guys this Saturday. Well, this uh, first things first, anybody that uh, has State Farm Insurance, change it before Sunday. Uh, that, that'll that'll throw them in an absolute tizzy uh, out there in Missouri and Kansas. But uh, no, I think I, you're right, though, Jim. I, I can't pay attention to that because all I heard last week was, for the first time ever, the Steelers' locker room is in is in disarray. the The empire is crumbling. It's over. You know, they're they're so desperate. They're starting a guy named Rudolph right before Christmas. Uh, you know, it's just that they, they can't do anything right. They're hurt. And, you know, look what happened. So we know the talent. We, we've played them so much these last three years. Uh, we know the talent they have. I I didn't recognize them Sunday. I don't think that was the Kansas City Chiefs. I think we'll have to play the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on Sunday with, you know, everything with Mahomes making magical throws, uh, with Kelsey getting open. Uh, you know, one guy that I'm, I really, really want to have, and I think he's going to have a big game is Orlando Brown. He's going to be motivated. So hopefully, hopefully Jake's uh, blind side will be protected, but yeah, the the line has got to get back to doing what it was doing uh, when Jake Browning was one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. They've got to give us that, that balanced offense. They've got to give us the ability to run the ball. And by the same token, if that ability is not there, I do think to a degree the coaches have to, you know, adjust, you know, put in that short passing game and make that your running game, you know, a la the 49ers in the late 80s, early 90s. So it can happen. I'm a little surprised. I wish Jamie was here, our, our gaming expert. I think eight points is is a lot. Uh, if we, we play the way we did against Pittsburgh, <laughs> no, uh, eight points is a, is a good Kansas City bet. But um, – you know, again, we just have to have our best game available to us. And uh, I think we'll have Jamar back. And I don't know about Cam Taylor Britt yet. I, I don't know if he was practicing or not. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be a lot more healthier. We really miss DJ Reader. Hopefully the proper adjustments will be made there. And we can go in there and get him. We can beat him. You know, we, we beat him for the AFC Championship there. And then... If it wasn't for, you know, a couple of really, really, really stupid plays, um, we would have beaten them last year and gone to our second straight Super Bowl. So it's it's very doable if we, we play our best game, and that's even without Joe Burrow. And um, James, you keep track of everything. Uh, in our pre-production meeting that you and I had earlier, we didn't mention it. What's the over-under on having to watch Taylor Swift in the in the box this weekend by the networks. Yeah, 
I think that's a, uh, a a guarantee. But going back to your Cam Taylor Britt versus um, Jamar Chase, I think we have a much better chance to see Cam Taylor Britt on the field than we do uh, Jamar Chase on on Sunday, um, unfortunately. But uh, I think Cam Taylor Britt back in the secondary will be huge for us. Um, it, it's going to be a tough battle. I think you saw that that Raiders defense play tough on um, on Monday and and really shut them down. We're going to need our defense to do the same. I, one thing that um, they brought up on the broadcast where the rushers basically holding their lanes, not allowing Pat Mahomes to get outside those tackles and run or get them uh, too wide and, and rush up the middle. I think that's the key to beating, um, beating um, Kansas City and that run game. I think if you look back on Jake Browning's best games, we were pounding the ball. Obviously, that didn't happen once we got behind early in, in Pittsburgh. So we need to keep it close and, and get that running game involved to have any success there. Jimmy? And Jake, no, I think you just nailed it, bro. I think, I think Jake Browning's success that, that he's had, the Bengals can't get down early and get down big because, I mean, they're just pinning their ears back going right after him. And we got to be able to run the ball, uh, stay out front early on this team. I, I think that's key, really is key. Obviously, turnover battle, but we can't get down big early. We might be in trouble. But, uh, I'm telling you, these guys are going to get back on track. We're three and two with Browning. Um, I mean, we, we made some, like, I think it was uh, Dak Hill who took the wrong angle on that that first touchdown early in the game there, man. So not something you've seen him do all year before. So I think some stuff that happened there in that game, uh, some of those things are fixable. The DJ Reader thing, James, like you said, man, it, it, that's a big, big mess right there, man. I uh, they, were, they were exploiting that, and I don't – you know, coaches hopefully can find a way to scheme and or coach that up and figure that out, I hope. So. Yeah, I think so. I think you, we've seen the Kansas City backfield a little banged up. Pacheco uh, came back for the first time this past week, got a touchdown, and then went out injured again. Uh, Jared McKinnon subbed in and, and done a decent job. And fellow LSU product um, with Burrow, Clyde Edwards, the lair had some nice runs there. So their, their passing game is, is the receivers, I'm going to say, are all over the place. Chelsea hasn't had a like good last seven games. So, you know, it can happen. Um, we just need to play smart, and, and as we both said, keep the game close where we're not having to uh, throw the ball like Joe Burrow was back there to uh, to get two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, just a reminder to the people that, that are going. I know Tony and Brandon and I think Caleb and those folks are going. I am not heading up uh, this weekend, uh, New Year's and things going on with the fam. Uh, but we had an event scheduled earlier in the year with Harris uh, at the Voodoo Lounge, which is their concert venue in Harris Arena. Or, I'm sorry, Harris Casino. Um, that that has been canceled. If you signed up for that RSVP, they should have sent you an email. So we'll keep we'll post that on social media. They said they're sending out another email tomorrow on that just to remind people that event that we had planned. Uh, they had to cancel some unforeseen uh, things happen on their end uh, that they had to cancel that event for everybody. So not a big deal. Let's go up there and get that dub. And we'll, believe it or not, we're going back up to Kansas City next year. We play them again in the regular season. Um, unbelievable. It seems like that's a, a fun rivalry that the Bengals get on the schedule every year now. So Between them and uh, Nashville, I think it's become an, an annual um, away game. But, um, yeah, as you said, because we're getting a lot of um, DMs and about, hey, you know, the tailgate event at the casino, it, it's not happening. Um, same thing we got in Pittsburgh about tailgates. Nothing uh, formal planned, but um, Bengals fans that are going, be loud, be proud. Um, certainly there's a huge contingency in the uh, Western Midwest um, that are planning on going to the game, especially with people off over the, the holidays, making a New Year's weekend out of it. Um, have fun and, 
you know, bring us back a, a W. We're not out of it, but um, it all starts with getting the win on Sunday. With you, with you. Let's go and hit the uh, – who we got here? I'm going to do Two-minute warning. Hit a little early, guys, a little early. So, Tom, you want to kick off two minutes? I don't know. I'm kind of scared after that. But uh, <laughs> first of all, you know, and we'll, we'll have this polished up for, for next season, but for that whole of the week, I'm going to give it to somebody very deserving since we're going back to Kansas City. And that would be um, NFL official. And I, and I know we banged it. This was a little too much. We're going to broaden the net next year. Ron Torbert for last year, the AFC championship game. I'm really hoping that the officiating crew Sunday doesn't follow his lead, you know, give the Chiefs five downs once on a drive. Um, but, you know, Ron, his, his incompetence last year will always live in Bengal lore. And even though it's 11 months late, Ron Torbert, congratulations. You are whole of the week. Congratulations. Very well earned. Um, like Jimmy said, the best way to talk about the Steelers game as a fan is to not talk about the Steelers game as a Bengals fan. Um, it was as, as bad and this time a horrible performance as we could have. Nothing went right for us. Everything went right for them. Uh, but I trust the character uh, of this team and the men in that locker room. So I think they will come out ready to give their best performance against the Chiefs, and it's going to take it. Uh, it's going to take that and maybe even a, a couple breaks, some good bounces of the ball. This franchise can never count on help from the officials, but uh, just a, maybe a well-officiated game. Nothing more than that. Just a fair, accurate, well-officiated game. So it's um, it's going to be a, a climb up the hill, a very steep climb, but they can do it. But they have to have their best game together. Uh, also, viewer of the week, Lisa Moran. So congratulations, Lisa, uh, and your, your boss, who's uh, – I'm sure with you as a watching, watching. So everybody, uh, please join us next Tuesday. We're still looking uh, for a guest, and I will kick it to James. Lisa's the boss there, Tom, just so we know. But here's a, uh, a thing for Eileen. Bucket list item is to be the two-minute warning. This is still the Christmas season, Tom. We know you have a close connection with Santa Claus. Do you think if she sends us a, a DM – Filming the two-minute warning, we can make that happen for next week and, and grant her an early Christmas present. I think if she she uh, reaches out, we can make it a belated Christmas gift this year. And I, and I want to compliment her for sending that electronically. Uh, you know, I, I went back and watched the show when I wasn't on last week. And uh, Tony, uh, a little bit obsessively, kind of burst through somebody else's question, almost with tears in his eye, wanting to know from Santa what he was getting for Christmas. And Santa was kind of taken aback and told him face paint. You know, I happen to know from last year, starting December 26, 2022, Santa got a letter every day from Tony wanting face paint. And every <laughs> single one was in Carrie's handwriting. So, you know, a, a couple of things. Tony, you know, Santa wanted me to let you know. It's called email. Save a treat or two. Just, you know, just, you know, just, just send a message. Santa, Santa has, has an email. Just just send him an email and he doesn't need it every day. He's Santa Claus. Not every single day. He will take care of you. So you're fan of the year. You were on the good list. Look at all you do for charity. Don't worry. You're good. 
you're good. But yeah, if she, she sends it in, I don't see any reason why we can't do that. And we also need, if anybody out there knows a high school or youth ref in their officials Jersey with a whistle that could announce that we, we definitely need one of those as well. On the All field. Right. Yeah. We were still getting messages about Santa's appearance last week, but uh, we'll continue. Um, as Jimmy said, no KC event um, this weekend, but uh, go have fun. Make a, um, it is uh, New Year's Eve. Make it a fun weekend in um, in Kansas City. And then, of course, we'll be back the following Sunday. Hopefully, we're playing for, for something. That's my goal, that, that last game against Cleveland, to to have that come down to win and in and uh, make that exciting. So we'll keep our fingers crossed in order for that to happen. We need to get the win Sunday. And, and, and I'm confident we can do it. That uh, Pittsburgh's behind us. And uh, we'll get that W uh, Sunday in Kansas City. But Great um, viewer interaction tonight from from the Christmas presents, Bengals-related Christmas presents that you got for um, Christmas. Thank you for sharing those. And then uh, the listener questions and great guest um, Yoshi was. So thank you, Jimmy, for for making that happen. And um, that's all I got. Uh, Jimmy, take it away. Yeah, I just uh, I, I feel better this weekend because we're back to being the big underdog uh, that we were not against the Steelers. Uh, this is going to be a big game, guys. This is, and we've said it multiple times this year, biggest game of the year. There is no playoff hope without us winning this Saturday, this this Sunday, guys. So, big game. Uh, let's get that dub there this weekend and uh, come home with a winner. So, hope you guys had a great Christmas. Hope you guys have a great New Year. Happy holidays, everybody. Um, again, I think we're maybe four to six people away from hitting that 4,000 mark on YouTube. So, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, before you get off, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Uh, that way you can also interact, uh, move forward, uh, on the show. So we appreciate you guys have a great new year. Enjoy friends and family, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Good day, everybody. Happy boxing day, day. Canada.